0: everybody, and welcome to episode number 86 of the Grow Your Own Food podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Smith, and today we are talking about what herbs to plant in a culinary garden. So let's say you aren't blessed with acres and acres of land to grow stuff on as as many of us are not myself included. I do have under an acre of of land if if you can believe it. Still a lot compared to a lot of people. But I can't go crazy. I have to edit down my choices of of what I plant. And this is even more so true if you live in an apartment or a small house or you know a house that you're renting and you kind of have like a nice little patio garden you you really have to edit down your choices and so this episode is all about the herbs that if you love to cook if you love using especially fresh herbs in your cooking these are the herbs that I really highly recommend that you grow for culinary use if you have to kind of like edit down your choices and you can't grow every herb under the sun. So I'm going to be talking about sort of a few different things here, not just plant recommendations, but then also care tips and then cuisines from around the world that you often use these herbs in and you'll see that many of them can be applied in a lot of different types of dishes, which, you know, makes them even more useful. So that's what we're going over today. But first, a word from our sponsor. So I have to start out this episode by prefacing that you may hear some footsteps, some bumps, some sawing. We are having some work done in the house and if I were to wait for a perfectly quiet time to record episodes in the next few weeks, I it would be in the middle of the night and I would never get it done. So hopefully they won't be too terribly distracting. But with that, let's get into it. So I am food obsessed. I regularly use more pots and pans than my loving husband, Mr. B, would prefer. And because I am food obsessed, I really prize the idea of using fresh ingredients as fresh as possible and you can't get any more fresh than going and clipping it right off the plant before you throw it into the pot. It's an amazing feeling. I absolutely love doing it. And herbs are one of those things that, you know, even if you don't have very much space, you can still grow your own food. You can grow your own food, you know, throughout the entire year. Even if you live in a place that freezes solid over the wintertime, a lot of these herbs, you can still move indoors and grow them year round. But I understand that not everybody has a ton of space. And so, like I said, this episode is really kind of aimed toward helping you decide which herbs to choose to plant, you know, if you have limited space, which ones you're going to get the most mileage out of. So with that, we'll start with my very first recommendation, and that is basil. Obviously, I love basil. My blog Bean Basil is partially, you know, named after it. It was my first big gardening success I had more basil than I knew what to do with, because basil is honestly, it's a really easy plant to start with when you're a brand new gardener. And on top of that, is there anything better in the middle of summer than a caprese salad? I mean, who in their right mind doesn't love a plate of juicy tomatoes, still warm from the sun, a creamy fresh mozzarella and bright green basil? Maybe sprinkle it with a little oil and some sweet balsamic vinegar. I mean, I could eat that all day. Now that I say that, I I wish I could have that for lunch. But you know, tomatoes aren't in season cuz we're we're still in early March. If that's not a good enough reason for you to plant basil in your culinary herb garden though. Consider what else you cook on a regular basis that, you know, basil would go really well in. Basil is featured in innumerable Italian dishes from simple homemade pasta sauce to a margarita pizza that sort of mimics the colors on an Italian flag. Basil pesto, which I make giant batches of every year, freezes incredibly well. You have a ton of basil in the summer, you make your basil pesto in the summer. In the middle of winter, you can dump some pasta in a pot, drain it, stir in a whole bunch of frozen basil pesto, maybe warm it up a little bit, and then bang, you're done. And you have pasta that tastes like the middle of summer and it's amazing. Basil also pairs well with chicken dishes, which is a blessing because honestly, I find that mass produced poultry, commercially produced poultry can be kind of bland. You know, there's there's things like water added to bulk up the the market weight of it to help keep it fresh. You know, water carries a lot of the preservatives that, that keep that chicken fresh while it's sitting on the shelf. So... It, it ends up tasting kind of bland, and, and basil is a really nice way to sort of brighten it up. And believe it or not, basil is amazing in Asian dishes that feature beef. If you've never had like a Thai basil stir fry, I absolutely recommend it. It's delicious. And the addition of a little bit of lemon enhances kind of the sunny flavor of of basil in, in just about any dish this doesn't just go with Asian dishes I mean Italian dishes pasta dishes chicken dishes works incredibly well basil is not a picky plant like I said kind of at the outset it's one of the easiest herbs to grow it doesn't need particularly fertile soil it will grow like a weed as long as it has enough water and sun But it will get very, very large, depending on the variety, obviously, that you're growing. It will get really large if it's left unchecked. Regular pruning helps ensure that it grows out bushy and stays at a manageable size. And if you need some tips for pruning your herbs, um, you can go back and listen to that podcast episode, or I will have a link to that blog post in the, the sister post for this episode in the show notes. Basil, unfortunately, is one of those things that, you know, it doesn't overwinter very well inside. It's an annual. It's something that you need to plant every year. It's genetically programmed to grow hard and fast over the summer, produce flowers, produce a ton of seed, and then die. So you can extend the season, you know, by bringing it inside at the end of the season. It will grow perfectly happy again in your home as long as you give it enough light and water, but you'll kind of start to find that the plant starts to look a little gross, starts to look a little wilty. The leaves will start to brown a little bit, um, no matter what you do, frankly. So know that that's not something that's down to your mistakes. It's really just how the plant is naturally sort of programmed to perform. The second thing that I would advise you to grow in your culinary herb garden is parsley. It is an herb all-star. Seriously, you can put it in anything, but if you want specific culinary uses, I use it for making homemade garlic bread. I blend it with butter and garlic in my KitchenAid mixer, and then I spread it on loaves of Italian bread. I sandwich parchment paper between the loaf halves to keep them from sticking together because if you've ever made garlic bread and you pry the frozen halves of the loaf apart and like all of the butter sticks to one half and rips it off of the other half, I go from zero to furious like lightning fast when that happens because I just, I can't stand it. So I put the parchment paper in between the loaf halves to keep them from sticking together, wrap them in foil, which is nice because when you unwrap them, they can you can just bake them on that foil when you're ready to bake. And then after I wrap them in foil, I put them in reusable silicone freezer bags and toss them in the freezer. So I always have garlic bread on hand. And, you know, parsley is just something that that brightens it up, keeps it from, you know, being just butter and garlic, which is lovely. It just gives it that nice herbal earthy quality. Parsley is also great in any pasta dish that needs a boost, but, you know, due to other flavors in it, you don't want something as strong as basil. You know, you still want something herbal and a little earthy, but basil would overpower it. Parsley is perfect for that. Uh, It's great on homemade pizza for the same reason above. Things like stromboli, just about any Italian dish. And then same thing, chicken. Chicken dishes that could use a little brightness or earthiness and you don't want to use something as strong tasting as basil. When it comes to care tips, parsley is biennial, which means it will grow for a year, live happily in a pot indoors and produce over the winter, maybe a little slower than it would outside, but it will still stay perfectly healthy and happy and and produce for you indoors. And then in its second year, it will go to flower and set seed and then die. Again, that's nothing down to your care of it. That's just how it is programmed to live out its life as a plant. It's important to note that parsley is a host plant for swallowtail butterflies. You know, those big, beautiful blue and black striped butterflies. So if you find something, some alarmingly huge black and green striped caterpillars on your plant one summer day, don't freak out. Don't be alarmed. Those are most likely swallowtail butterflies. I have a picture of what that caterpillar looks like in the sister post for this episode. You know, you don't need to kill it. It's not poisonous. They do get really big, though, and they eat a lot. They will eat your parsley down to stubs. So if you find them and you want to keep them and you want to support your pollinator population, which, you know, I've said before in previous episodes is so much fun, Maybe buy some parsley from the store to feed them so they don't eat all of yours or buy parsley for your use and let them eat whatever's in the garden, especially if it's in its second year and it's going to go to seed and die anyway. That's what I did last year. I let them eat up whatever was growing because it was in its second year and I just bought parsley for me to use. If they do, if it's in its first year and they do strip it down to the bare nubs at soil level um, or just stems, don't throw it away. That parsley plant will continue to keep growing and sending up new leaves even if it's stripped down to nothing. I've seen it happen. They've, they've done that to my plants. and My plants have come back, my parsley plants, if they've been in their first year of growth. The third plant I would recommend is oregano. I love oregano. It's unassuming, low-growing habit, makes it an easy herb to tuck into small spaces if you have a very small garden. It will happily grow abundantly in a pot, and its tiny leaves are just the cutest. But, you know, beyond, like, looks, I have culinary uses for it, too. Like basil, oregano is often used in Italian dishes. It's also featured in a lot of Greek and Mediterranean dishes. And oregano goes surprisingly well in southwestern flavor profile dishes, Mexican dishes, Latin dishes, pretty much any dish with beef or chicken especially. And you can make a tea with nothing but oregano leaves. It has a ton of antioxidants. And while admittedly, this is more of an herbalism thing than a culinary thing. It's a great way to use up extra oregano because that leads me to my next point, kind of growth habit tips. Oregano loves to spread. To keep it from taking over every open ground space, keep it well trimmed back. I keep mine in a pot I you know, started it in my garden and I just got tired of the maintenance of just kind of keeping an eye on it. So I took it out of the ground and put it in a pot. It has been growing in a pot ever since and it overwinters indoors very well in my experience. Very low maintenance, which means you can clip some fresh leaves from it all year round. It's fantastic and it'll kind of just like keep going and never dies. As long as you take care of it, obviously. The next herb I'm going to recommend for your culinary herb garden is sage. I am addicted to sage. When you think of it, that really distinctive delicious taste that Thanksgiving stuffing has, chances are you're thinking of, of sage. But it goes with way more than stuffing sage is incredible with pork especially lean cuts of pork that don't have much flavor the strong savory flavor of sage marries really well with pork and makes up for the lack of fat pretty much any kind of poultry pairs well with sage as well obviously you know thanksgiving turkey kind of leads you to that no-brainer but it it goes awesome with chicken quail duck there's just something about sage that works with pretty much any poultry Finally, there is nothing, nothing like sage leaves crisped in browned butter. And if you haven't had gnocchi, which is a type of pasta, they're like these little pasta dumplings with brown butter and crispy sage, ugh, just, ugh, oh my gosh, I could eat it every day. As a woody perennial, sage should be harvested lightly in the first year, just to kind of keep it from giving up on life, essentially. Some plants, you harvest too much of them from the first year, and they'll be like, well, okay, this is clearly not an optimal environment, and I might as well just give up. So harvest lightly from sage in the first year. And sage only needs pruning once per year, once it's kind of established. In most climates, if it's planted in the ground outside, unless you are in a place that gets, you know, Arctic cold, it will die back to twigs in the winter. It'll look dead, but then it'll come back green once watered and exposed to warmer temperatures and sunlight in the spring. So I'm excited. I no longer, you know, have to grow sage in a pot. I grow it outside. It's actually out in my yard. We have a green space. It's not, you know, in my proper garden anymore. I planted it as kind of a landscaping feature and it's nice. It comes back every year. Next up is thyme. It's subtle and savory and it's that quiet flavor in the background that you're loving, but you can't quite put your finger on what it is. You know, it's not sage, you know, it's not rosemary. You're like what is it it's thyme thyme rounds out or pairs well with so many other herbs like sage like rosemary like basil like oregano but its savoriness also tones down the bite of lemon so like thyme and lemon go really really well together thyme goes well with pretty much all meat but goes especially well with chicken and fish and it, because it accentuates rather than overwhelms especially with fish because you know fish is kind of a delicate flavor and thyme has a tendency to kind of accentuate it rather than just bury it in in really strong flavor. Time is also brilliant on vegetables like I said with lemon and then some butter because you know obviously butter. Thyme makes vegetable sides sing a whole different tune. They liven them up and it's just so delicious. If you've never sprinkled thyme on your, you know, side vegetables, I would definitely encourage you to give it a try. Like sage, thyme is a woody perennial, and it can survive the winter in the Midwest where I live. You know, we get below freezing temperatures out here in the wintertime, and it comes back. Actually, it never stops growing. It kind of just like hunkers down. I shelter my woody perennial herbs, so like sage or thyme, with a pile of leaves or straw to protect them from the worst of winter weather to keep too much of the plant from dying off. So it never really dies. I also, I grow a variety called German Winter Thyme from Johnny Seeds. The link to that product, if you're interested in it, is in the sister post for this episode. And it got through some historic temperature lows this past winter like a champ. The leaves are a little bit purple from cold, but I know that once the sun hits them, I uncover them, take the straw off and the sun hits them, they're going to green back up and they're going to taste just delicious. Next up is rosemary. Rosemary is strong. The flavor of it, it is incredible. It's almost kind of like pine. I know that sounds crazy, but if you think about it, the the scent, the flavor of rosemary really reminds me of pine in a lot of different ways. It holds up really well because it is such a strong flavor to really strong tasting red meats like beef and lamb, especially Marinades for these meats with rosemary is delicious. You know, sometimes you marinate meat and then you cook it and you're like, doesn't really even taste like I marinated it or anything, or the marinated flavor is a lot less than you wanted it to be. That's not going to be the case with rosemary, but be careful when grilling though, because I have found that if your marinade has rosemary in it and some of that marinade ends up still on the meat, on the grill, When exposing rosemary to open flame, it can create kind of a bitter, acrid taste, burnt taste, which is obviously not very pleasant. So kind of make sure you have the rosemary leaves off of that meat. And then if you want to, you can garnish with fresh rosemary after that meat comes off the grill. But it's not just the strong meats like beef and lamb. Rosemary goes well with lighter meats like pork and poultry. I just use a lighter hand than I do with those really strong, flavorful red meats. It takes a lot less rosemary to season pork and poultry. Rosemary doesn't really pair well with fish because it is such a strong flavor and fish, like I said, has sort of a delicate flavor, but it is amazing with cocktails that feature citrus, rosemary and lemon, you know, rosemary and grapefruit. The tang of citrus with the sharp piney flavor of rosemary is super refreshing. When it comes to growth tips, rosemary typically likes drier conditions. It likes a more sandy soil that drains well. I let my potted rosemary dry out between waterings. If it's watered too much, its roots will start to rot and it will die. I do, though, as I think I've mentioned in previous episodes, I spritz it with a water bottle when I bring it in for the winter. It gets humidity from the air when it's planted outside, but if you have it in a pot and you bring it in for the winter, usually the air in your house is a little too dry for it. So in addition to watering it when it's dry, I also spritz the leaves with a fine mist from a water bottle. It is hardy down to freezing, but if temperatures get below freezing for an extended period of time, it can get damaged or die. So just make sure that you keep that in mind if you choose to grow your rosemary outdoors. Two more. I feel like this is this is going on for a while and I know you guys like for the this content to be sort of half an hour or less cuz it just makes it easier to consume as you go about your your daily stuff. So we're almost done. We're in the home stretch. Cilantro. People either love cilantro or they hate it. If you hate it, feel free to tune out for the next few minutes. The people who hate it think it tastes like soap. I don't get that, but that's what they say the most often, that it tastes like soap, and apparently that is genetic. I am personally glad I don't have the cilantro-hating gene because I think it adds so much to dishes throughout the year. Cilantro is incredible in southwestern foods. Salsa, tacos, chicken, pork, beef dishes. All of it, even fish, you pretty much can't go wrong. Even though it's a strong flavor, it doesn't seem to overwhelm fish like rosemary can. I do find that cilantro goes best with beef and chicken. If you're going to put it with pork and fish, I use it in combination with other acidic flavors like tomato or lemon, just to sort of balance it out and keep it from overwhelming it. Lime and cilantro is a marriage made in heaven. You know that if you love Chipotle, there's cilantro, lime, rice, Oh my gosh. I could eat just a bowl of that myself. And I actually make cilantro lime rice at home when I make burrito bowls. There's something about citrus and cilantro that just tastes right. And then finally, cilantro is incredible in Indian and Southeast Asian dishes. From pad thai to eggplant curry, it adds a zing that's absolutely key to the dish's flavor profile. I make an Asian chicken salad that has like a ton of different vegetables in it and some rotisserie chicken and a bunch of cilantro and a peanut sauce that is incredible. And it just wouldn't be the same without that cilantro in it. When it comes to care, cilantro is a lot like basil. It's an annual herb. It is meant to live hard, produce flowers, produce seed, and then die. I have Been able to keep cilantro alive through the winter indoors in the past because it's a it's a cool weather loving plant and even in a north facing window where it didn't get a ton of light. But just know that it can get very tall and leggy, so you want to make sure that you prune it early and often to help it bush out, similar to basil. And I would say to keep it from growing leggy, make sure it gets enough light. My very last recommendation would be fennel. This is not something that I think a lot of people use. So if you're running out of room, unless you really love that flavor of star anise, otherwise people think of it as black licorice, you can maybe skip this one. But I feel like it's still worth having in your garden, you know, even if you don't use a ton of it. You know, it does bring to mind that black licorice flavor, but in my opinion, it's much milder. And I feel like I'm qualified to judge because I hate star anise. I hate black licorice. And I still use fennel seeds in everything from pickles to roasts, everything like that. If you pickle things, you're going to want to grow fennel for, you know, the herb and the seed. Pretty much every pickling recipe I've come across calls for fennel. Fennel goes well with pork, chicken, and even fish when used in small amounts. With fish, you kind of have to make sure not to overdo it. And it can hold its own against strong flavors. You'll find those elongated sort of barrel-shaped seeds in Italian sausage. If you've never known what those sort of barrel-shaped seeds were, that's what they are. They're fennel seeds. I have made a ridiculously complicated but delicious from scratch lasagna using fennel seeds from my garden and it was absolutely incredible. If you are growing the root version, so there's two different types of fennel. There's kind of root fennel and then there's seed fennel. So you want to make sure if you're growing it for seed that you buy the seed variety. If you want it for the root, then you buy the root variety. But You can julienne the root, kind of cut up the root in matchsticks and saute it. Other people like to use the root or the stalks even as replacement for celery and salads and slaws. It goes really nicely with citrus. It goes really nicely with beets. So there are a lot of different things that you can use fennel for. So if you like a lot of the things that I just mentioned and you have room in your garden a little bit left, I I would definitely recommend that you grow fennel. So, those are the herbs that I recommend if you want to have a culinary herb garden. Is that all the herbs on the planet? No, absolutely not. <laughs> but you are going to find that you use those herbs probably the most, especially if you live in the US. You know, those are going to be the herbs that you use the most. For those of you in the UK and Australia, you might use some herbs that are not ones that I've mentioned, and you may use them a lot more than the ones that I mentioned. But I'm guessing given the wide variety of cuisines that I mentioned, pretty much everybody listening to this episode will will have a use for all of those herbs. So that is it for today. In the next episode, it's going to be very timely because some of us are having to repot our seedlings that we started from seed. I am going to be talking about why, when, and how to pot up your seedlings into bigger pots. I know if you're growing from seed for the first time, it's going to seem really scary. You don't want to disturb your tiny little seedlings that feel like a miracle when they came up out of those seed starting cells, but their roots need room to grow. So I'm going to be going over that in the next episode. But until then, thank you so very much for listening. I, oh my gosh, it's actually spring here. I'm going to call it. I'm probably going to jinx myself, but I'm going to call it. It's going to be like 60 degrees for the next like 10 days. I'm so stoked. And I can uncover my garlic and I can uncover a lot of things, my strawberries and give them a little bit of sun and maybe get a little bit of a head start on the season. I'll just have to keep an eye out for, for, for freezing weather, but I hope wherever you are at, it is beautiful there too, and you have so many things that you're looking forward to this spring. Thanks so much, guys. I'll talk to you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Grow Your Own Food podcast. Visit beeandbasil.com for helpful how-to articles, images, and recipes.